Welcome to episode 123 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about your prayer life. Let's dive in. Today I was teaching in the Ellerslie Discipleship Program, and I was freshly reminded of just the importance and the diligence of prayer. Let me read this great quote by Ian Bounds. Ian Bounds wrote several books on prayer, and they are such a rich exhortation of what it means to pray and pray as a man or a woman of God. But listen to this quote. He says this, These days of ours has some sore need of a generation of praying men, a band of men and women through whom God can bring his great and his greatest movements more fully into the world. The Lord our God is not strained within himself, but he is strained in us by reason of our little faith and weak praying. A breed of Christian is greatly needed who will seek tirelessly after God, who will give him no rest day and night until he hearkens to their cry. The times demand praying men who are all athirst for God's glory, who are broad and unselfish in their desires, quenchless for God, who seek him late and early, and who will give themselves no rest until the whole earth be filled with his glory. What a great declaration. Uh, one of the things that's in this session is just walking through some of the lives of the great men and women who were just great prayers. And you realize that it's interesting when you when you trace every Christian revival throughout history, all of them had two aspects to them. One was a returning to the proclamation of the word of God. And the other is this idea that someone was praying. And again, you can trace every major revival to the fact that people were praying. And I don't know about you, but our time and day and age today desperately needs revival, which we which means we need men and women who are willing to be under the stage, if you will, and be willing to pray and intercede for the sake of our culture today. Well, I just want to read a couple quotes to you about some of these men who prayed vigorously. Now, I'm not reading these just so we can emulate them or mimic them. And obviously what God was doing in these specific individuals, he may do differently in someone else. Just like when you look at the money issue, which I've used before, but you know, you look at George Mueller and George Mueller said, I'm never going to ask anybody for uh, for money. I'm going to trust God to supply my need. And it really was a great declaration of faith and just God's provision. And yet you look at a guy like D.L. Moody who would ask everybody for money because, hey, I'm doing God's work. So therefore, hey, partner with me. So you can't look at either one and say, well, one is more spiritual than the other, that God was using them individually or, or specifically for how or the need of that day. So again, I'm not suggesting that you just mimic any of these characters. At the same point, I think as, you, as we read or as we hear the kind of prayer life that people in the past have had, it gives us a, a picture of what could be or maybe a vision for where our life should be aiming or at least should be an encouragement and an exhortation to our soul that we should be willing to pray more. One of the men is William Bramwell, and he was often referred to as the praying drenched revivalist. And listen to this quote by C.D. Andrews. Andrews is talking about William Bramwell, and he says this, There is something perfectly dumbfounding about Bramwell's praying. He always began at four in the morning or in the depth of winter at five. It is in vain to plead that he went to bed early, for very often he did not. He held late after meetings just as we do, but at four the next morning he was at his prayers. 
At Hull, he got from one of his friends the use of a room in a secluded part, and he would shut himself up to pray there for six hours at a stretch. And this was not spasmodic. All his life, he prayed on this scale. What a great exhortation. And again, I'm not saying you should be praying six hours a day, though if you have time, hey, maybe you should. But do you realize that this, here's a man who just had a passion and a heart for prayer. A.W. Tozer talks about Thomas Hare, who was what Tozer called the praying plumber of Lisbon. And, I, and Tozer said this about Thomas Hare, the two characteristics that mark Tom Hare as unusual are his utter devotion to prayer and his amazing spiritual penetration. Three months after his conversion, when he was 16 years old, he formed the habit of praying four hours every day. Now, could you imagine a 16-year-old in today's culture praying for four hours a day? I really, I want to see this. This is, this is so, ex, ex, just exciting for me. But A.W. Tozer goes on and says this, this practice he followed faithfully for many years. Later, he added one all-night prayer session each week. In 1930, these weekly all-night prayer sessions or times were increased to two. And in 1948, he settled down into the habit of praying three nights of every week. He gets along on very little sleep. In addition to three nights every week that he stays awake to pray, he is frequently awakened in the night seasons by a passage of scripture or a burden of prayer that will not let him rest. And almost always, he says, the Lord wakens me early in the morning to pray. Edward Payson was called the camel need preacher. And it says that Linda Ravenhill is talking about Edward Payson. And I love this. Uh, Ravenhill says this about Payson. Edward Payson, better known as praying Payson of Portland, was another great prayer warrior. He used to kneel at the side of his bed and pray and pray and pray. And they, when they washed his body for burial, they found great big pads on his knees like a camel had. Tradition says that James had camel knees, but it is a living fact that Payson had them. When they were washing him, someone said, what abnormal knees? They're heavy with calluses. That's because he used to pray at the side of his bed with energy. And he wore two grooves about six or seven inches long into that hardwood floor where he used to pray and make intercession. Could you imagine? I mean, just this man who was so willing to pray vigor, vigorously that by by the time that he died, his knees had had such calluses, and the floorboards near his bed had grooves worn into them. You you look at people like John Prain Hyde or David Brainerd or Rex Andrews or Leonard Ravenhill. All of these men were just great men of prayer, and most of them were unknown. Most of them didn't, you know, just they weren't touted or praised, or you know, books were written about them. But yet we know about them because of, you know, circumstances or other people. What would it look like in today's culture if a group of men and women would rise up and say, I actually don't care if I'm known. I don't need my names in, you know, the spotlights. I don't need my names on books and, and, and I don't need the popularity, the prestige. But I am longing for the glory of God to return. I'm longing for revival, for culture to turn from the evil direction than where it's headed. That we are heading down a slippery slope of darkness. And we need a band of men and women who will rise up and be hidden, if you will, and pray. Would you take on that? And I don't know if you ever actually prayed for you know longer than 20, 30 minutes, but prayer is a lot of hard work. And yet what we need today in this generation is men and women of prayer. Well, I just want to encourage you that no matter where you are in your prayer life, you and I can always go to another level. We can always seek more intimacy with Jesus through prayer. We, we can always grow in our our, our depth and our interception and our groaning for Jesus Christ. And again, it's not so much about the amount of time, though we should be giving time to prayer. 
And I'm not saying you have to emulate any of these guys and give up, you know, maybe an all night of prayer. I'm a person who needs sleep. I'm not one who gets, who can function really well on a little bit of sleep. And yet I should be willing to stay up all night if God calls me to, to prayer. That I should be willing to get up early to pray. I should be willing to stay up late at night to pray. What would it look like if you and I would give ourselves fully unto Jesus Christ in this area of prayer? Well, I would just freshly encourage you that this summer, that you would spend some time purposely praying for the culture, that you would pray specifically for our country, that you you would pray vigorously that God would send revival and turn the course of where this world is heading, which is, again, down a very slippery slope. And again, this is not supposed to be guilt-ridden or you know full of conviction, the sense of like you're not doing enough or praying enough, but this is really a call to say, hey, what if we would rise up and pray? What, what if we would actually give more time and a greater vigor to this idea of intercession and prayer? Well, I hope that's encouraging to you. If you'd like to read some of these stories about some of these great people throughout history who had lives of prayer, I would encourage you to check out the show notes for this episode at deeperchristian.com forward slash 123 for episode 123. And in there, I give a whole list of people and just some of the testimonies and the stories of their prayer lives, which are just so encouraging and edifying. Well, until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ and give your life more fully to prayer.